time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 12 of the, this Art of War Down Under podcast. We are joined by the illustrious, the returning king, the legend, the demon prince himself, the the, the cold white Norse, very own Jim Vessel. How you doing, mate? Very happy to have you. Hey, man. Good to hear from you and very happy to be on. Where have you been, my man? Like, I, 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 you've never been very far out of my thoughts and minds. I've been watching and tracking a little bit of the things you've been doing with your life and little, I don't know, bits and pieces you put up on Facebook. But um, there has been some whispers that, you know, Jim might not be up in the, the 40Ks that much at the moment. Um, how's quarantine been treating you? Where have you been? What have you been doing? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been really good, to be honest. Um, I've been uh, really busy with just work and kind of, uh, like, getting healthy this year and just having, was having a lot of fun, to be honest. Um, you know, Canada has had some very, uh, like, our COVID kind of, uh, I guess, like, response was was pretty strict lockdown. Um, what that means is that there's really just no events happening, especially in my part of mm-hmm. town. Um, and on, because of the fact that the U.S. has botched it so bad, uh, the borders are closed. So uh, basically, for, for me and my season this year, uh, it's over. Like, there is no, there yeah. is no season for me. Uh, we can't even have events, like... I think uh, no one's having events. A lot of the game clubs are closed. Uh, even like pickup games are kind of few and far between because a lot of people are, mm. um, you know, not necessarily fully comfortable. So just in general, as far as like playing a lot, um, I've had almost zero games. I've had one game of Ninth Edition, so don't tell anyone. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've just really been, you know, for me, my focus has been really um, taking care of myself personally, uh, you know, getting in shape. And then also I've just been doing a lot of painting. Like I've just been hobbying still. Uh, quite a bit. So I've been working on different projects, um, trying to get some, I got three sets of the Indominus Marines that are staring at me uh, on the spruce still. Nice. Uh, I, yep. I, I bought, I got them all right away at launch and I like hit them away in the closet, like straight to the pile of shame. Cause I was like, <laughs> cause I have so much other stuff to paint, but, and then, and then before I even the, like they're even put away, I went and ordered like all this death guard stuff. So now I have like, like a thousand, a few thousand points of death guard and like, another few thousand points of Marines to paint. So I've been just really busy with hobby. Um, getting ready for the eventual return to the tournament scene mm. that hopefully will happen uh, sometime, I assume, next year. Um, even the events that I'd planned to go to, so I'd planned to go to SoCal this year. Uh, so I had a ticket to Adepticon, that got cancelled, and then everything was on yeah. lockdown, and then even events that I was like, oh, maybe there's a chance they'll be, we'll be good to go by then, like SoCal, that got cancelled. At this point, LVO is looking, you know, I don't, like, I don't even know, even if it is, even if it still happens, which at this point, I don't know if it's going to, um, like I'd have to quarantine for two weeks as soon as I get back to the country. Yeah. So there's just a lot of, you know, and I don't even know if they'll even let me. If the border's not open, they're, I, you know, LVO is not a is not a essential essential service. So like trying to convince mm. the border guards that I'm going to uh, to Vegas to play Warhammer, I don't know if they're gonna exactly let me through. <laughs> they're like, oh, you're going to totally. work. So why do you have all these miniatures in your bag? Like it's gonna be a pretty hard sell. So, so yeah. So I've just really been focusing on myself, uh, just trying to, um, you know, improve my my life, I guess, and. Uh, you know, just been kind of reflecting on hobby and, and focusing on that kind of stuff and really just taking it easy, man. I had a super grueling GT, GT mm. season last year. I think I played yeah. upwards of four, like 35 to 40 events, including like RTTs and stuff, like sometimes three, four events in a month um, where I was playing in a GT or RTT or event every week, uh, every weekend. And uh, yeah, it's been really nice to just kind of step back and, and uh, take a break. So 
It takes a toll, doesn't it? Like I had a, I didn't, not quite as intense, but I had a couple of years, I had three years together where I think I played an event to two events every month for like three years straight. And yeah, it does, It just uh, sitting still and it makes a difference. And you make you reflect on just how much time you put into this thing and you make you reevaluate. Not that I want to change anything, like not that I regret any of those decisions. But yeah, it, it does make a difference when you get to stand still and just look back. But uh, we are here to talk about Thousand Sons and uh, Magnus did nothing wrong in his little band of merry men. Well, mostly Ironman's Band of Merry Men at this point. Magnus is off doing his own stuff. But uh, we're, we're here to review pretty much um, everything that they got from Ritual of the Damned. We are in the lead up and in the like the holding pattern towards uh, before Ottawa Down Under pivots into reviewing new codexes as they get released. I suppose the episode coming after this will be either a bonus episode for everybody out there, which is, uh, will be the stats episode that I'll ha- record with Joshua Diffie and Peter the Falcon, where we're going to be disseminating all the data we have available to us um, from down under pairings, BCP and everything the Falcon is able to to glean out of his machinations. But uh, So we're going to be doing an episode uh, where we pretty much deep dive into the stats. We start talking about things like secondaries, what, which ones get picked, what are their average scores, what's the win-loss rates for different armies, what are those win-loss rates for different armies going first, second, and then um, part two of that we're going to be talking and pretty much getting direction from the, the patrons. Like patrons are going to be able to ask myself, um, Diffie and Peter, like my uh, I play Army X, I play Harlequins, you know, what is the best secondary to take for Harlequins? What is the best secondary to take for harlequins versus this army that always beats me um and stuff like that and we're gonna be able to really deep dive and the reason i want to get that episode out and that bonus episode out is because it's before codexes i want to get us the baseline reading of the meta and of the environment before the before the codexes come in and before things start to really shift and shake up and so we could we could have a baseline to work from moving forward from there and get that knowledge out there before um ninth edition really starts taking form but past that we're not done we're not done with this stuff yet we're here to talk about the sons of magnus and what they got in psychic awakening jim um, I'm, I'm assuming you own this book, and I know you play T Sons. In fact, you were one of the you and my man Matt Morrisoli, the two gentlemen more than anybody else I think um, in this in the meta last year in the years of eighth edition that really put T Sons on the damn map, man. What did you think of this book when you cracked it open? So, I definitely. I mean, it, 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 that's a good question. I think um, when I cracked it open, I want to say that there was a little bit of disappointment um, in, overall, and I think part of that was. Coming, uh, this was released after um, Faith and Fury, which was the Chaos Space Marine, yeah. um, uh, Chaos Space Marine supplement that had all the Chaos Space Marine rules. And those rules mm-hmm. were like, those definitely changed and really revolutionized the way that Chaos Space Marines played. I think that's what actually put Chaos Space Marines back in like the meta, so to speak, that book. Yep. Um, and then, you know, obviously we saw a lot of the, um, you know, some of the other supplements as well and kind of how, how, how big of a seismic shift those books were. Um, this, this book, Definitely had some amazing rules for the Grey Knights. Um, and then, you know, the Thousand Suns rules, I felt, were not quite up to par. Uh, obviously, you know, whenever we get free rules, uh, again, all of the, most of the stuff is free. You don't, you don't have to pay for any of the stratagems, the cults. So getting free extra rules is always awesome. There's always a power level increase. But it just felt a little bit underwhelming compared to uh, some of the other mm. Psychic Awakenings. And then, obviously, in retrospect, looking back at the whole Psychic Awakening series, I definitely feel like they, you know... There's obviously some some factions that got a very short stick, but uh, I definitely would kind of put their update on the like kind of mid tier as far as like how how, yeah. how to improve the, the list. With that said, there's some very really great and flavorful and strong stratagems in here. They're just not quite at the mm. level of things that we saw with like the grenades or the death guard. Um, so yeah, so or even space marines, which which got even stronger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. 
All right, so but um, job when you crack when you when you crack this open, the first thing you see is that they've got the hateful assault and malicious volleys. That being essentially bolted discipline and um, the plus one attack um, uh, when they're charged or make a charge, make provoking, intervene, etc. Which pretty much anything that wearing space uh, space marines, sorry, anything that space marine, anything that's uh, Astartes, really heretic or loyalist, got those swathe of buffs. Did that make a big difference for T Suns? Um, not. I mean, so well, yes and no. So what were T Suns? The way that T-Sins really existed in the meta at the time was a lot of things like Demon Princes. Thousand Suns Demon Princes are, were beasts. Um, and you know, yeah. having a Demon Prince with both accounts have eight attacks instead of seven, can't complain, right? Now, the yeah, unfortunate exactly thing right. is that the the units that normally get this in your list, so rubrics, are not exactly... Uh, like Outside of the Scarab Occult, they're not exactly things that you really want to even be getting in combat. Um, mm. And then you know your Zangors, which are your main fighting unit, don't get it. So... Um, so yeah, so yeah. I'd say like the hateful assault didn't add a, a whole ton. Um, obviously, malicious volleys does actually do quite a bit of improvement, given the fact that scarab occult terminators with those um, with those uh, infernum uh, con yeah, sorry, the bolts. Infer infernum bol uh, bolts. Um, those obviously do see a, a pretty big power increase, uh, especially being able to kind of now move across the table, uh, drop their full amount of shots every turn, um, and then obviously some of the stratagems um, that we're going to talk about later. Do kind of help come come yeah. into play as well. So so I definitely feel like there was. You know, we don't have bikers, obviously, unfortunately for a thousand sons. I don't mm -hmm. even know. If, uh, we only have terminators and hellbrutes. Um, and then the infantry that did get it wasn't great. But yeah, I mean, I'll always take an eighth attack on a on a demon prince. Um, <laughs> but uh, and on Magnus even, uh, which was nice. Um, but definitely like, you know, it wasn't a huge huge change as far as uh, the overall mm. overall list. Now, so the the big addition here was that the. The legion of uh, Tesons got broken down into cults. Yeah, and I suppose this is a throwback to their the fluff and um, their thirty k um, iterations, where there were the different cults of magic on Prospero and the different ways of conceptualizing and using magic and uh, all the all the warp in in life in everyday life and studies right. in all the all the the things of of Tesons um storytelling so but um we've got nine of these <laughs> nine of them because because zinch you know uh and the first one of these is uh the cult of prophecy now for each one of these they get a psychic power they get a wall of trait and they get a uh an, a relic with a sorceress arcana and so we're going to run through these one by one we're going to hit them all some of them are much better than others and we'll talk about them a bit more guys some of them are far worse and we'll talk about them a lot less because they're a lot less relevant but uh we will deep dive the ones that are worth deep diving and skim over the ones um that are worth skimming over as is our want but uh, what's what's really noticeably missing here is that unlike a lot of things, like especially with the one you mentioned before, Death Guard, which is the biggest closest comparison you could have for this, um, these guys don't have a stratagem associated with uh, their cults. They they like I said, they got a psychic power, they got a wall of trait, and they got a relic. They do not have a stratagem. I think that's a that's a bit of a missed opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, I think for me, the 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 that is a big missed opportunity. I think a bigger missed opportunity is that like the cults, there's no cult specific uh, like cult cult-wide rules so like you know obviously things like blood angels get a certain type of they get plus one wound Basils get the extra yeah. attack or the plus one hit or you know etc etc so i think a big uh missed opportunity was giving the cults because the the six inch extra range for the psychic powers is great but it only works on basically five percent of your army which is your source your sorcerers it doesn't it doesn't work on anything mm -hmm. else and so um you know that, i think it's a missed opportunity to introduce uh some of those kind of like legion almost essentially legion rules um yeah. or the specific cults and then yeah i think with the lack of stratagem um definitely it kind of limits kind of limits how you can uh like it doesn't push you towards a certain type of play style um whereas mm. i know the death guard definitely definitely had that so 
Yeah, exactly right. They have some build arounds, some, yeah. some things you look at and you're like, well, I guess I'm taking this style of army for these guys. But I'll jump on the first one. This is the Cult of Prophecy, guys. And the psychic power is uh, Divine the Future. Divine the Future has a warp charge value of 6. If manifested, roll 1d6 and set it to the side. Until the start of your next psychic phase, you can use that dice to, re- to replace a single dice roll uh, rolled for a unit to hit, to wound, advance, or charge roll. Psychic test, deny the witch test, morale test for a Cult of Prophecy unit in your army. It's a, it's a fake dice from, yeah. t- from Sisters, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know what? I think... When this came out, I, I probably wouldn't have been. I would. I don't think I would have taken a second thought of this because we have gaze of fate. We have the CP reroll. Both the changes to the yeah. CP reroll, especially ninth edition, I actually think this has a bit more play. And, and there's definitely some mm. clutch. Uh, but the fact that you can, it's not a reroll; it's a replace of the roll. So you know in advance. You know if you roll a five or six, um, you know on a that's basically that could be like an auto charge, right? You can you can be a lot more risky with things like long charges or or anything like that. So I definitely feel yeah. like um, that's really powerful. And the other thing is it's a replacement. So you could potentially roll a say an advanced roll, re-roll it, and then replace the dice because it's not you're not actually yeah. or, or let's say a charge roll, you re-roll it, uh, and then you replace the dice. So you could use it both the yeah. CP and the spell to stack those, and I think that's really powerful. It really is doubling down, isn't it? You yeah. really get the, the the terms and conditions are quite yeah. good. The only one that miss, the only one I'm missing there is a, a damage roll. So you got you got to hit a wound, an advance, a charge, a psychic test, a denied test, and a morale test. You can't do it on a damage roll, which I think that's a little bit frustrating because you, you can't just be like, oh, you rolled a, a juicy six, and then you roll a you got a d six damage weapon, you roll a one, re-roll it into one. You're like, Absolutely. that sucks. Yeah. But uh, here's the warlord trait. So guided by the whispers, once per turn after this wall fires Overwatch, it can immediately move up to six inches as if it was your movement phase. Now already, I'd say this was a much better last edition yeah. than it is this edition. Hey, <laughs> this is wait, complete garbage. Once, <laughs> it is complete garbage. Why are you letting your, your warlord get charged? Firstly, yeah. <laughs> second, you, um, it, second, um, I think outside of uh, I think they've eroded it. So outside of like Armin. And just like 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 your the gun that you have is basically like a, a bolt pistol or a bolter, so you're gonna you're not gonna waste your uh, Overwatch strategy on that. And then you also have to be the first thing out there, which means he's gonna get shot. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, I just don't see this ever being used. No. Complete garbage. Do you want to grab the last one? Do you want to grab the the braze? Uh, yeah. So, so the the Pythic uh, Pythic brazier. And so when a cult of prophecy unit within six inches of your friendly model with this relic is chosen, shoot or fight with. Roll one hit roll, one wound roll, or one damage roll. So this actually got FAQ'd to uh, originally. I think when it came out, it didn't have the cult of prophecy keyword, um, but yeah. it got FAQ'd to add the cult of prophecy keyword. And why that was that was important is again before the FAQ because it was just any unit. You could kind of use a cross yeah. faction. You could potentially yeah. maybe combo combo up with like a chaos knight or something like that. There would be like maybe some play mm. there. But now obviously it's cult of prophecy. So again, uh, basically you're spending your relic slot for a single unit to get like. Uh, that very minor increase. It's just you know, I just not not worth that. Yeah. Well, what's funny here is that uh, people are losing their minds about salamanders having essentially this rule. Uh, but you take that same rule and give it to T Suns, and it doesn't make that much of a splash. Well, again, the other thing too is like this is a single unit. So if it was every unit, it's exactly like right, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no, I guess it is. Um, yeah. oh, it's every unit within six inches. Um, yeah. So. But you know, you got no melter guns. You got no plasma guns. Yeah. You got no. Uh, you got no high damage uh, guns that are really going to get uh, super exponential multiplication out of this. Um, yeah, efficiency wise, Thousand Suns actually, just weird. Thousand Suns actually have a surprising. I mean, Chaos Space Marines in general are not a very heavy shooting shooting uh, army. Um, our shooting choices are limited to uh, things like predators, which are no one basically you, you haven't seen them in no. conditions. <laughs> uh, and then we have defilers and demon engines, uh, some of which are not available to Thousand Suns. So I definitely feel like. Um, you know, I definitely feel like 
there's just not you know this would maybe work well with some support world stuff um but yeah yeah not fair enough um cult of time is the next one yeah Oh, sorry. Overall, what are your thoughts on uh, Cult of Prophecy? I, I'd give it me, like a D. It, yeah, same. Like, it's, it's just <laughs> not, psychi, not worth it. The Psyche Power's fun, and the rest is just kind of, eh? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Cult of Time, Psyche Power, Time Flux. Time Flux has Wolf Charge value of five if manifest is like one friendly Cult of Time infantry unit within six of this Psyche. You can return one destroyed model from that unit to the battlefield with all of its wounds remaining, placing that unit in coherency. It's, it, this... The unmodified result of this psychic test was a 9+. plus. You can instead return up to D3 models from that unit to the battlefield with all their wounds remaining, placing them in incoherency. That seems really good on things like Scribe Occult Terminators, especially when maybe they're going to three wounds. Yeah? Yeah, and I think definitely given the uh, the nature of 9th edition these days with uh, survivability and attrition being such a big part of the meta, mm-hmm. um, I think having abilities to basically put models back, put them onto objectives potentially, use a little bit of daisy chaining, um, there is no, yeah. uh, there is no requirement here that um, uh, that the unit, that the new models be, um, for instance, outside of nine inches of the enemy, or outside of, yep. Uh, yep. or even outside of combat from the enemy. Like, there's actually, they may have FAQ at some place, but there's actually no restriction here that they, they can't be within one inches of the enemy. So you could That's potentially, right. yeah. yeah, you could potentially be putting models back into combat uh, or onto objectives, um, so where you can mm. kind of bait someone to shoot you, and then you bring models back and string onto an objective. So I do think this is a very strong power. Especially for a warp charge five. Yeah, it's only warp charge five as well. And then when you go for the nine, it's only a nine plus. So nine plus on things like uh, Magnus or so I don't think Magnus can take cult of time, but um, or things like Armin. Uh, uh, is Armin? Uh, Armin uh, can't take cult. Yeah, Armin. Uh, yeah. Armin and, Ma- and none of the name characters can get cult, which is unfortunate. <laughs> mm, that's fair. As soon as I said it, I'll but in, so. but, um, in general, you'll have one. plus one or plus two to your one of your casters at least your other casters that's what that's what i was thinking as well so the nine isn't as unrealistic as uh, some might seem do you want to grab the warlord trait yeah so warlord trait is called immaterial echo uh, in your psychic phase if this warlord manifests psychic power with a psychic test of nine plus this warlord can attempt to manifest one additional psychic power that phase only one additional psychic power can be manifested as a result of the phase um my initial thoughts on this is i think it sounds good in practice but realistically if you actually look at the powers available to thousand suns there's not a ton i mean there's obviously there's like about four or five uh, for the for the demon princes, like so, generally, I think you'd want this on a demon prince because they have access to more uh, a mm. larger suite of powers. But outside of the demon princes, um, between the dark Hereticus and the uh, the Zeech, uh, thousand suns discipline, um, there's actually not a ton of great powers. So I think you're going to end up in mm-hmm. a situation where you know, yeah, maybe you could get like an, a smite off, but obviously, um, like there's just I think you're just going to end up having like run out of you know already manifesting two per caster. You probably have three casters. So by the time you get to this yeah. guy where you, you get the extra power, you've probably already cast all your important powers anyways. So and, well, and, and it's a nine plus, so it's like it's a it's there's a chance you don't get it, so you're never gonna save that power for like an important power. Well, uh, isn't it just a warlord trait in the regular T Suns codex for just you get an extra power on your warlord? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Would you just you just take that? Yeah. Because <laughs> this is a you, you don't have to take a chance. Because uh, sorcerer get two casts, yeah? Yeah. So you're all, you're all two, you're all two sets of, of two dice, and it's unlikely either one of those sets is going to be a nine. Oh, sorry, it's a fifty fifty chance that one of those sets of those two sets is going to be a nine plus. Yeah. Um, because it's one it's a one third chance on every two dice roll, so you got around a fifty fifty. Um, so why why bother taking a fifty fifty that one of your you're going to get one extra cast? You just take the wallet that gives you an extra cast. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It just seems like, it just seems the poorly yeah poorly um weighted. All right, next one. Um, hourglass of Man- Manat. Yeah. Um. 
The first time a model with this relic is destroyed at the end of that phase, return that model to play with D3 wounds remaining, placing it as close as possible to its previous position, more than one away from enemy models. So this is a, a get back up. This is a Gilliman or a Celestine get back up, yeah? Yeah, and I, I do actually don't mind. I don't mind this actually uh, for two reasons. First, it's automatic, so there's no roll. Yeah, Second, dude, it's actually just, it just happens. It's yeah. great. Second, you can combo this with uh, yeah temporal manipulation, which heals you an additional D3 wounds. So you could come back with mm. D three wounds and then heal yourself for D three wounds, potentially coming if you know if you're a five wound character, potentially coming back with full wounds. So there's there's, yeah. there's ad additional ways to actually heal yourself, and that means that even if you come back with say one wound, you could potentially be up to like four wounds by the end of the by the end of your phase. So I do like this. Yeah, and you you can legit you can legit make a suicide character at that point. That's not a suicide character. Like you go you go hunting someone's big squishy something, chuck a you jump over, chuck a chuck a smile or two into it. Oh, sorry, a smite and then a damage-dealing thing. Charge in, finish it off, get killed, come back, and run away. It's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you could pull that off, it's fun. Um, what do you think of Cult of Time? So Cult of Time, you know, I think Time Flux is, has some play. Definitely with uh, mm. you know, a Scarab Occult list or a list that's going to be heavy on um, survival. And there's a few stratagems uh, that we'll talk about uh, up there that I do think combo well with this, uh, this cult. Yeah, I think so too. I think oh, it's apart from the um, the wall of trade. I think it's not too bad. And in fact, I'm actually the more I think about the the relic, I actually really like it. Uh, do you want to jump into cult of mutation and grab the psychic power for us? All right. So psychic power is warp warp reality. So it's a warp charge value of six. So Madison selects one terrain feature within eighteen inches of the psyker. Then select like one enemy unit within three inches of that terrain feature. The start of your next psychic phase, have the unit's movement characteristics subtract one from advanced and charge rolls made for that unit. So I think this is actually like. In a vacuum, I think this is an amazing power, especially given where yeah. where we are with ninth edition with mana train, um, and mm. also just the fact that um, you know there's just a lot more train on the table. Uh, I think in in the grand scheme of the cults, this is you know like what you're giving up to take this power is probably not worth it. Um, but I do mm. think it's a great power, like kind of in and of itself. Yeah, I feel like if you could take this as a as an extra power on somebody, yeah. this could be their their third power, and they they you know they can cast it when they need it when the games are right. But where I have the issue is having to write it on your list because it's just going to be some. This is going to be you could take it to a, a six game event. It's going to be two games where you're just like I don't have a relevant unit, I don't have a relevant terrain, or I don't have a relevant terrain piece, and I've just got a dud power sitting in my in my in my library. Um, but look, I actually like it a lot. I think it's cool. Um, uh, the terrain feature within 18 bothers me a little bit. I mean, the smaller table does help that. I wish it was 24. Um, yeah, well, I... Because, yeah, well, it, it, I, it means okay, like you can't well, I guess reach it, over into someone's deployment zone turn one. So you go. Do you think that this the uh, extra six inches would apply here? Like, w would this go up oh, to true. 24 with the extra six inches? True, like, it would, wouldn't it's, it? Well, it's kind of worded weird, because it doesn't say the spell has a range of 18 inches. It just has, like, one terrain feature within 18 inches. So I think that's almost yeah. like FAQ... Like requiring an FAQ, like it's not quite clear if, like, it, like for instance, the, the actual range of the spell is zero, but then once it's manifested, mm. then you select the train feature within eighteen. Yeah, so it's almost like I'm not quite sure if it would work that way, but I, I think it's worth maybe, maybe asking the question. That is interesting because yeah, I think it would. Like if you boiled it down, you had to ask a TO and make them make a ruling. Yeah, you, the TO would. If I was the TO, I'd probably say yeah, it would. Um, not fair enough. Um, so the wall of trait is touch is touch of. Vestitude? <laughs> yeah, Vestitude, have yeah. fun pronouncing that. Vicissitude? Vicissitude? Vicissitude. <laughs> when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by this warlord and a modified hit roll of six, inflicts one mortal wound on target, in addition to any other damage. Uh, meh. I mean, apart from Demon Princes, I don't think any of the, the sorcerers really pack that much of a wallop in combat, do they? No, and again... And I think I have an actual, like, five attacks on the charge now? Yeah. six now? Uh, I think they're four base, so five... Um, yeah, I think, again, yeah. I think outside of Demon Prince, I don't really see much play for this. And again, 
what you're uh, there's just other better roller traits um so. yeah. like like this is like there's just even better roller traits within the the main um like within the main book let alone like like this one you know what i'm saying yeah no that's fair enough. i think we can probably skip it um you want to grab the relic yeah so uh so it's uh, exalted mutation so the sorcerer model only which is unfortunate add one strength toughness yeah. attacks uh to the characteristics of the model so again i i don't see a situation where you really want your like sorcerers i guess exalted sorcerers are sorcerers so but no one mm. no one takes those really because it's you're paying basically a premium for a caster and a fighter um yeah and they don't have the like you know, when I think about like uh, what a, a, a true caster fighter should look like, I would look at like Grey Knights. Uh, like, yes, it's true. Their yeah. their combat characters that are casters are like beasts, whereas like exalted mm. sorcerers are basically just like normal sorcerers with like a four up and like one more attack, four up and one, like, <laughs> yeah. one more attack. Like they don't really have like the the damage output or the survivability mm. that I would actually even want them in combat. So it's just not yeah, it's just not a great not a great relic. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, jumping over to the <clears throat> sorry, cult of mutations. What are you thinking? Um, I, re I really like the psychic power, but only if I could guarantee I was going to get mileage out of a game in, game out. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, again, not not a huge fan of cult of mutations. Not fair enough. Cult of scheming, psychic power, uh, seeded strategy. Seeded strategy has warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one friendly cult of scheming unit within 24 of the psyker. That unit can shoot and charge this turn, even if it fell back. Cool. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, I actually nice I don't mind that. Um, I mean, there's not. I mean, there's a few units that uh, works really well with. Um, I definitely think you know you can also combo this with something like the. Uh, um, uh, sorry, what is the? Uh, what is the thing that lets them teleport? The uh, <laughs> gem, geometry site? Or no, it, no, uh... no! Oh my god, I gotta pull up my codex here. Um, Dude, it's been, you, you show. You... You're showing your, your, your yeah. hobby age, mate. Sorry, the Dark Matter Crystal. Yeah, Dark Matter Crystal. Wow. What's, what's Geometry Sight? It's a daughter. I like this because uh, it could potentially be comboed with the Dark Matter Crystal to have multiple units cause to, to fall back and shoot. So you could maybe pull, pull it off two different units, which I think could be hmm. um, could be nice as well. So I, I definitely like yeah, this so nice, Well, I like it because it's giving um, you something you can't get anywhere. Well, you can pretty much get nowhere else. Yeah. Um, because there, there is literally no way to fall back and do stuff with T-Suns, apart from, you know, teleporting them out with a one-use relic. Yeah. Having this on the psychic power, uh, it really will, will will impede your opponent from wanting to, like, run up and tap your big Rubik bricks that shoot so well but don't fight so well. Right. I think that's a good idea. Um, grab the Warlord Trade for us, brother. Uh, okay, Warlord Trade's Grand Schemer. So while they're within three inches of the Warlord, friendly cult of scheme units gain the Disciples of Zinch ability. Uh, so Disi Disciples of Zinch ability is essentially the um, Thousand Suns game for um opsec so that's so they essentially yeah. gain opsec um yeah so basically gives uh cultist scheme units with three inches opsec and if they already have yep. opsec then basically they count as two models so double i actually really like mm. this especially ninth given the fact that uh objectives standing on objectives is the name of the game so you know having this guy parked maybe near a big unit of rubrics maybe even things like uh uh vehicles um yep. having things like um you know, and then having your normal Rubik's and your Zangors count as double, like that's really strong. I mm. think so. Yeah. And it's units, right? So it's not model. So you could you could string mm. out potentially like a Zangor unit out, you know, and have like ten on the objective and like five more strings back. That counts as twenty on the objective. 
Yeah, I think it's really powerful, actually. I think this is something that in ninth edition it was. This is the first one I've read that that took the transition from eighth to ninth and went up in power. The other ones either stayed the same or, or sometimes went down. But yeah, I, geez, this sounds really cool. I like both of these so far. Um, the last one is, oh, geez, <laughs> the sources I can't use. Crack, tick, kid, Phyllis, whatever. Uh, once per battle in any phase, you can use whatever this thing's theorems is. Uh, if a model with this relic is on the battlefield, if you do so, select one stratagem to the end of the phase or until after that stratagem is used by a model with this relic's controlling player, whichever one can consume it, reduce the command point cost of the stratagem to zero. So it's a free, free stratagem, yeah? Yeah, and uh, I don't love this so for a few reasons. So first of all, you're probably taking this as their second, your, your, not your free relic, which means you're actually reducing the command points cost of that stratagem like you're still paying one command point for that strategy no matter yeah. what because you paid to take this relic so i think in a mm. lot of cases you're going to be taking uh other relics first which means this is always gonna be your second relic um if you do take it uh which means it's going to cost you one cp which actually means you're basically on a one cp if you use this on a one cp strategy it'd be pointless if you use this on a yes. three cp strategy it reduces by one and if you use it like it reduces it to one and then a three cp it still costs you two like kind of the net and i'm just thinking about it holistically um, mm. so in that sense, I don't love it. Um, and I just don't think there's a lot of three, three, three CP stratagems on a thousand times. I, I can't, I can't think of a single three CP strat off the top of my head for T, for T sons. Is um, there one? Uh, the, well, there's, yeah, I mean the course skating beam, which is basically orbital bombardment, which I think, no. I've, I think I've used <laughs> once, I think I've used once, but almost every other thousand yeah. stratagem is one to two CP. Um, yeah, yeah. the majority are one CP and then there's, there's one, there's that, yeah, the, the, the three CP one. So. So you're right. The only time this makes sense is when it is your free one, when you take it for free. Yeah, and Apart in, in, that, the, in that always, case, always... never take it as your free one because it's the, the the basic book relics are much better. Yeah, really interesting. But apart from that, the other two, seated strategy and grand schema, I regret that I cannot pronounce pronounce this word. Um, <laughs> but anybody who knows this That's book okay. knows why I can't pronounce it. It's it's not a realistic word. Yeah. Uh, but your seated strategy and grand schema are both really good, man. Yeah, and and I think this is a theme that we're really seeing through. Uh, this whole supplement uh, for Thousand Suns, which is there's these like hints of like really cool, um, like awesome abilities, whether it's a psychic power, but it's all so spread out that like you can never bring the power of them together. Um, and Same generally, thing, yeah. the cost of using some of these things, you're 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 sacrificing too much other good things. So even though there is something that really does sound awesome, the fact that you have to give up a lot of other really great things to do it just means that you just never see play. Mm, not fair enough. Well, so far I like Cult of Scheming the best of the ones we've read. I would so agree. jumping over to Cult of Cult of Magic. Now All this right. is one I actually see a lot. I see I see used and touted a lot. So interesting to see what your thoughts will be. But the psychic power is Astral Blast. Astral Blast has a warp charge value of six. If manifested, the closest enemy unit within nine of and visible to the psychic suffers D three mortal wounds, and each other unit within three of that unit suffers one mortal wound. The brother of the source's ability only increases the first range of this psychic power. So that means you won't get a nine inch bubble on the the extra. Yeah. The extra. Fifteen so inches is so nice. Fifteen inches is great. Uh, this is I see this taken a lot, and I see it used quite judiciously. What are your thoughts? So I definitely like this more in eighth edition. Um, I think with ninth edition, um, there's there's some better powers. And the other thing is, um, I definitely believe that because we're not seeing as many casters um, in like you know the supreme command in eighth edition was a very big staple so you'd have a lot of casters a lot of a lot of damage yeah. with eighth edition we're seeing less characters and what that means is that the psychic power slots are at a premium and a lot of times you're probably better off just doing like a smite uh, to be honest um mm. not, unless there is like the situation does present itself so I, I i think it's a good solid additional power spell 
Um, I definitely don't think it's like you know, game changing or game breaking or anything like that. But it's a nice, it's a nice power. Yeah, no, this one, uh, so we'll, get, we'll read out the rest of the ones and then we'll go, could jump back to it because there was some controversy about Astro Blast when it first came out. Um, but you want to jump the, the Waller trait for us? Yeah, so and this is kind of why I could see people thinking mm. Astro Blast. So, devastating sorcery. So, when the Warlord manifests a psychic power that inflicts one or more mortal wounds on a unit, increase the mortal wounds inflicted on that unit by one. D3 plus mortal wounds becomes D3 plus one. So, in this yeah. actually comboed with Astro Blast. Now we're talking. So, now the initial unit is going to take D3 plus one, and then all the units from the trees are going to take two mortal wounds flat. Awesome. But that's been it's been nerfed, hasn't it? Oh. It got fixed in the FAQ oh, and they? shot in the head, didn't it? Uh, yeah, maybe it yeah, did. I, I didn't see that. Okay, so now it's just the initial yeah. D three that gets the plus one, the additional one. I believe so. It's just the initial D three. Oh. Now it's interesting that they they put those two together and didn't see how it could be problematic to the wording. Yeah. At least, sorry, that, I I will actually I'll double check in the ad break that that um that is one hundred percent correct. But uh. Yeah, when it came out, people were losing their minds of Astro Blast being like, oh, I can make it go, you know, exponentially just go two, 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 you know, four on the main one, and then two, two, two on the rest. And then you chuck a smite in and you get super smite, and you just, this one guy can now do like, so if that one guy somehow got off a super, um, a super smite and had an extra, had a, you know, something that let him have a third power and got off a, um, a super, what's the, what's the, what's the, um, vortex of doom equivalent? Is it Infernal Gateway? Yeah, Infernal Gateway. Infernal Gateway. Yeah, it got off a super, you can do like, you know, 40 mortal wounds with this crazy ass bastard in one turn or whatever but uh yeah they they, they nerfed that and didn't let you have it but uh next the the relic here is arcane focus um when a psychic test tech for a model with this relic add one to the total which i like it's it's clean it's easy it's just a little buff yeah and i would i would say that overall like as far as like uh percentage of useful uh, fat, uh sorry traits and psychic powers and arcana this so far is the top winner so each one of these are useful. There's, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they add value. So like, mm-hmm. getting an additional one, one that's always useful. Having plus one your psychic spells that's always useful. There's no game that that's not gonna be useful. And then having that extra spell that does extra damage always useful. Because remember, it's a free power yeah. on top of what you have. So overall, I like cult of magic because it's just a good. It just increases your 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 uh, your damage output, and it's mm-hmm. very like straightforward. And there's no, you don't have to think too hard about it. <laughs> Exactly right. It's it's straight it's straight line increase. It's just value adding. Um, there's no weird workarounds or is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? It's just oh yeah, here's three things and you're always, they're always going to be decent. They're always going to be they're always going to be useful. You're always going to get mileage. They're telling you they're doing the stuff. They're adding to the stuff you're already doing anyway. You're already using T Sun to deal mortal wounds. You're getting more mortal wounds. You're getting better psyche tests. You're getting um, a better another psyche power to deal mortal wounds as well. But yeah, I, that, that, we'll take a we'll take a short ad break here now. We, we're um, about two thirds of the way through the cult. We've got four left, and then the stratagems. But yeah, I'm just going to go double check on that FAQ for the devastating sorcery and see what that has changed. And uh, we'll be right back, guys. Here's some words from uh, the lovely people supporting the Frontline Gaming Network, and we'll see you on the other side. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. 
This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And we're back. Hopefully that was uh, some wonderful insights into whatever they were spruiking on those ads. But with, uh, Jim has, has dug through the FAQs for us. And yeah, so you're saying there's nothing there about devastating sorcery and the Astral Blast interaction? No, yeah, I definitely don't see anything. So um, here, um, I've checked the Thousand Suns and the rulebook. Uh, sorry, the Thousand Suns and the FAQ don't see anything. I, I mean, I could so be wrong. The FAQ pile for uh, as it exists yeah. today is quite, quite substantial. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely don't see anything. There you go. Well, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you should just check with your TO and, and your, your opponent and see what they want their ruling to be. But yeah, that, that actually opens up a few more interesting concepts, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then just to answer our previous question, there is an FAQ that does definitively state uh, that the Brotherhood of Sources ability does increase the range of the train feature for warp reality um, to 24 inches. So that's that's nice. Nice. And that's the, the Cult of Mutation Psychic Power, yeah? That's, that's correct, yeah. Fantastic. All right, so moving on to Cult of Knowledge. So their psychic power is psychic delve. Uh, psychic delve is a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the psyker until the start of your next psychic phase when resolving an attack made against that unit re- by a friendly cult of knowledge unit. You can re roll wound rolls of one. So you become a, um, a lieutenant against that unit, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And like, this is one of those powers that just like makes me mad. I'm like, why don't, why don't chaos have lieutenants? Like, why don't we just like, have why that can't dude? We have lieutenants or something like, like I don't know, call, uh, call them exalted. Chaos lieutenants, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, like, it's true. Here's, like, here's a power to give you something that like every other book has. Like that. <laughs> it's frustrating, isn't it? Uh, you want to grab the uh, Warlord trait? Yeah, Warlord trait is Ardent Scholar. So when taking a second test taken for you, you can reroll dice rolls of one. Um, I think it's okay. Uh, honestly, like again, yeah. uh, it's not not a bad thing to have. But as far as like what I want my like you know you to, with uh, the stratagems which we'll go through later, there is one to give yourself an extra Warlord trait. Typically in a thousand yep. suns list, you're gonna get two Warlord traits. Is this the is this one of the top two? Definitely not. So that's something that I'm nah, that's fair. And so the uh, sources I kind of this. Uh, oh damn! I'm giving myself some hard ones. And in in Caladidians cry. Yeah, I think that's that's close enough. In Caladidians cry. Cool. We're going with that. If I'm wrong, you know, lynch me. Model with war, warp flame pistol only. In Caladidians cry replaces warp flame pistol has a following profile. Uh, strength twelve. Sorry, range 12, geez. Uh, pistol D6, strength 6, minus 2, 1 damage. When resolve attack with this weapon, don't make a hit roll, automatically scores a hit. So it's a range 12, a flaming pistol that is strength 6, minus 2. Yeah. Uh, and it is pistol, so you can shoot it in combat. Yeah, I just... It looks, it's not bad. It's not it's bad, just, it's just... Yeah, not good. It's not good. No, it's not good. I could never see uh, myself ever taking this relic, given that, again, limited, yeah, limited, limited relic slots. So yeah, already like I do actually quite like the um the psychic delve just because it's giving I, I like things that give you something you didn't have somewhere else. Like I said, it was the same same with the um the fallback and shoot. So getting at the um the lieutenant bubble, admittedly, it's only against one unit. Like so, it's not even a true bubble that where they just get real ones to wound against everything. Um, it's you know here's this one unit you can real ones to wound against that. I don't like the terms and conditions there. I think the wall of trade is pretty meh, and I think the uh the <laughs> relic is trash. Yeah, it's pretty trash. So. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, no. Call to change, you go, mate. Take okay, it away. So, psychic power is disturb reality. So, it's a warp charge value six. 
If mana flex to select one enemy unit within 12 inches, the start of the next psychic phase, subtract one from the unit's leadership and attack characteristics. So 18 inches with the uh, extra range. Uh, obviously, the, mm -hmm. I think the leadership debuff is pretty garbage, but the attack characteristic yeah. uh, is not bad. I think it's definitely a yeah. nice thing. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't mind this. Well, this will this will flip things like a you know intercessors versus Zangors matchup. This will flip this really nicely for the Zangors and things of that ilk. Um, I quite actually don't mind it. You know, minus one minus one attack is pretty legit. Yeah, um, the wall trait is not garbage, but. Yeah, the Warlord Traits Fickle Nature, you can re-roll a charge rolls made for this Warlord. This Warlord can shoot and charge in a turn in which it fell back. Uh, uh, meh? Like, yeah. I wish this was a bubble. Like, it's not even as good as First of the Fray, is it? Where it's a bubble of re-roll charges. Well, the other thing, too, is uh, there's another Warlord trait in the actual book called uh, Aether Stride, which lets you advance and charge the same turn and can re-roll fail charge rolls, which is very similar to this. So it's like, yes. first of all, like you're not really going to be... like What shooting do you really need to be doing? So mm. this allows you to charge in a turn in which it falls back, but I'd much rather have advance and charge on my warlord. Mm. Um, well, you can't you can't psychic when you fall back now, can you? Uh, that's right. But they did not FAQ so, this to that, so it's not. I wish that's what this was now. Yeah, then. <laughs> yeah. If it but that would have been fall back. That'd be great. Hmm. Uh, that, that really would have been uh, foreshadowing the ninth edition change, though, because this, right. this came out a couple of months before. But yeah, that that would be cool if they could if they had a, a ways of falling back and still getting psychic powers off. That would be sick. Um, the last one is uh, Capricious, Capricious Crest. Crest. Yeah. yeah, do you want to read it? So, so once per turn, when a psychic test is taken for a model within 18 inches of the model with this relic, you can change the results of that psychic test as follows. So if that model from, is from your army, you can change any roll of 1 to a 6. If that model is from your opponent's army, you can change any roll of 6 to 1. So I actually think it's a really cool relic. Um, I think I'm, I think the, the one issue I see with it is, obviously it's very situational, so if you're, if you're playing your opponent with not a lot of psychic deckers, um, it's not great. It's 18 inches, which means generally, if they're a good player, <laughs> they're going to be either out of your deny range, which means they're also out of 18 inches, or uh, they're yep. going to just be within 18 and 24 inches. But even though they're deny range, you can't use your relic on them um, mm. with their psychers. So that's that's one thing. And then the other thing, uh, I do like this if you have, say, a demon, demon uh, detachment and you kind of combine this with uh, um, uh, the, the, the stratagem that makes them take extra portals on the perils. So that you can basically cause them to roll a six and a one, and then you get them to perils, and then they, um, and then they like take two to three mortals. So I like that kind of combo. But yeah. outside of that, I just, I just don't see. Again, thinking that this is, you have three, three maximum of three relics. Basically, um, is this one of the three relics you're going to take? Probably not. Yeah. Well, so I, what I do also like this is uh, doubling down to make sure you get things like death hex and warp time off. You should take a an allied. Uh, chaos detachment um because yeah guaranteeing you're going to get well sorry getting more guarantees you're going to get those key powers off and the, the critical times does feel good but yeah I, yeah i don't know how i feel about it as actual applications in my head it sounds good but yeah i think i think you're on the money when you actually put it into play it doesn't it's not as good as it as it hold it doesn't hold up as well um this is another one i hear the next one uh, is one i hear talked about quite a bit uh called the duplicity psychic power here is sorcerer's facade um, Sorcerer's Facade is a warp charge value of 7 manifest, if manifest is like the friendly cult of duplicity unit within 6 of the Psyker remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up anywhere in the battlefield more than 9 away from any models this unit is treated as having moved this turn uh, can I just say I like that a lot you get the jump yeah this is a, basically a uh, dark matter crystal that you can use in every turn every um, turn yeah every turn to redeploy and, and T-Suns is notoriously ponderous yeah like you've only got movement 4 in your uh, Scarab Occult and it's only 5 on the rubric so yeah. it's a 6 on the rubric uh, I believe it's 5 yeah yeah, so they're, they're quite slow and ponderous. And so being able to make them dynamic, it really would open up a lot of secondaries for you, yeah? like line breaker, um, engagement all fronts and things like that, things you might not be able to capitalize on otherwise. Yeah, and, and you can, you know, if this is a demon prince, he can cast it himself, so he can kind of get himself around the battlefield yeah. as well. 
Um, I, I definitely like this uh, this power. I think it's I think it's probably one of the, the better powers. Mm, agreed. Uh, Grab the Willow trade for us. So it's a duplicitous tactician. Start of the first yeah. battle round before the first turn begins. Select up to D three cult of duplicit units from your army. Those units end this warlord from the battlefield. So it's those units plus the warlord. And set them up again following the normal deployment rules for those units and missions being played. Pre deployed transfer model. All units embarked inside that model remain so when it is set up again. So this, really uh, I think this is a really good. Really, this is probably one of the best warlord traits of the bunch. One thing that I would have mm. to check, and I'm, I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but with the way that uh, um, reserves are declared in the new mission packs, now you have to write all those things down kind of before, mm. um, like uh, very early in the deployment process. Like I think even before you start deploying, you have to declare everything that's going to go in reserve. So I'm curious yeah. if this does get around that restriction where you can now put something in reserve that otherwise you wouldn't declare. Uh, I know there's a few few other rules that are similar like this, and, and I'm not sure if that mm. means yet. Yeah. Well, so I know I know 100% 8th edition you could. 100% 8th edition you could pick them up, put them back in reserve, put them back in transport, take them out of transports, do yeah. whatever you want, really. Um, a ninth edition, I actually don't know. I would actually need to really ask some questions of some TOs and get some rulings. As of right now, I feel like you should be able to, but word of the word of the law, I don't think I don't feel like you can. I don't feel like you can chuck things back into res- into reserve that weren't in reserve during the reserve declaration phase yeah. mini game. Um, but because yeah, that does bother me a little bit because you could have Scarab Occult starting on the table um, and then pick him up and back in reserve or vice versa, um, and that would lock you. That would hamper the power of this quite a bit. Absolutely. But yeah, let's jump, jump over to the uh, the relic. So this is Perfidious Tome. I have said that good. Um, hey, he pronounced it. Per- yeah, I did. I can say the things. Uh, start of this, uh, start of the battle round. Roll one d six. If a model with this relic is on the battlefield, on a roll of a one, your opponent gains one command point. On a roll of a four plus, you gain one command point. They really didn't need to give it a downside, did they? But they found a way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even like I think just the four plus is not amazing. Um, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's it's yeah. it's fine. You'll, it's not, you'll, it's not game changing. You net three command points, kind of. Uh, like on average, you're going to net three command points. Uh, probably yep. two because you're probably spending at least one CP to get an extra relic. So, like, yep. you know, it's and, not and a the, huge. It's a, a five-turn game, so you might get the bad side of those odds, and yeah. you might have one. <laughs> so, yeah, especially. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Grab the games gone to five turns now. So. Yeah, like, I like it. I think it's. I think Cult of Duplicity is ramping. Is is looking like it is the best. Well, the best or second best. So, look, if you take if you if you if you want to take another relic, why not? Or you just take Helm of the Third Eye, and you get probably the same amount back. Absolutely. Uh, all right, cult of manipulations. I'm oh, sorry, cult of duplicity. I like it a lot. I like yeah. that psychic power immensely. I think the warlord trait and the psychic power uh, really put this kind of top top three of the uh, the cults. Yeah, I agree. So, cult of manipulation, psychic power, uh, attempted possession, attempted possession has a charge value of six. If manifest, select one enemy character unit within eighteen of the psyker. That unit suffers one mortal wound until the start of your next psychic phase. When a psychic test is taken for that unit, subtract two from the total. So it's only useful against other psychers. Um, well, not and, necessarily. Um, so the the mortal wound that happens regardless, um, and then the psychic test. Yeah, so you can still just cause one mortal wound. Um, obviously, it is characters only, which sucks. It's not just one unit. Mm. Um, which where I don't like this is like it doesn't work against things like green knights. It doesn't work against things like demon units uh, because they're not characters. Yes. So um, it's very very specific. Um, on the bright side, it doesn't need line of sight, which is nice. Uh, so it's yeah, important. Nice. Hey, no line of sight. Yeah, so I think this would be great <laughs> against LR. Yeah, um, I I don't I don't mind it, but yeah, that's what I said. Great against Eldar because you you take away their seer council, you take away their um, 
a lot of their reliability. And yeah, you don't need the line of sight. And you're using one of their powers against them because all their powers don't need line of sight because of reasons. But uh, yeah, I actually don't mind it. But I just feel like people are taking less and less of pinch hitting psychic yeah. uh, units just simply because they're the Denied Witch or whatever it is, the, um, the kill, kill the psychic guys secondary requires yeah. you to not have any. And then you can run into Grey Knights and just automatically get, or T-Suns automatically get 15 points. So I feel like it's the the, the only times you're going to use this when you're in a psychic-heavy mirror match, and then they're going to have all the chances in the world to, to lock it down. Yeah. Uh, the Relic. Uh, can we go for it? Uh, wall of Trait. Oh, Wall of Trait. Beguiling Influence. So subtract one. Tax characteristics of models and enemy units while they're within one inches of this Warlord. Uh, one inches is such a small amount of distance. One like, inches it's is literally, bad. It's literally just against models that are attacking your warlord. So, mm. um, you know, I just, again, I, I just, given especially with ninth edition where characters have kind of gone, uh, we're not going to see as many demon princes and generally characters mm. are going to go uh, for a support role. And also, like, again, you, you have two warlord slots, uh, warlord trade slots. Is this what you're going to give up uh, to get this? It's, I just don't yeah. ever see it being used. Well, see, I, I feel like in ninth edition, um, characters are very polarized. You're either going to have your uh, squishy, only buffing character that never go, never sees the light of day of combat, or you're going to have your super expendable, I don't care, this guy's going to kill a bunch of stuff before he dies, Ragnar-esque um, units, Smash Captain-esque units, and that they don't care about losing one attack, they'll just attack twice and kill you. Absolutely. They'll, they'll find a way. They'll, they've got enough buffs. So I feel like this makes zero difference to like the outcome of a, of a key fight. Uh, last one is the uh, Sorthis' Reflector. <laughs> Why is this a reflector? I can only think of like those little things you have on the front of your, your uh, push bikes. Uh, when a model with this relic is chosen to fight with in the fight phase, you can select one enemy infantry unit um, with a leadership characteristic of nine or less that was in one of this model. Select one melee unit, so melee weapon the enemy model is equipped with. Until the end of that phase, the model uh, with this relic is treated as only being equipped with that weapon, and it can only make attacks against the enemy's model's unit. While in resolving those attacks, you cannot re-roll the hit roll, you cannot re-roll the wound roll. Can you explain this to me? I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I think it's Okay. So when a model of this relic is chosen to fight in the fight phase, you can select one enemy infantry model with leadership characters of nine or less. So basically, your model, uh, you pick it. one other model yeah. within nine, uh, with one other infantry model within one inches, and then that model's basically weapon um, mm. doesn't get any sort of like rerolls. So basically, assuming it's yeah. less than leadership nine. So like, say say a smash captain comes into your demon prince, um, and gets to fight first because obviously mm -hmm. the second he's dead. <laughs> um, yep. so like basically, you can tell yes. you can basically tell the smash captain that he can't any rerolls. But he still gets to do all sorts of stuff. So okay. I just this is like a, yeah, this literally you need a, a flow chart just to figure out uh, when you can use this. Yeah, man. And uh, it's not yeah. at the start of the fight phase; it's when the models fight. So there's a very good chance that your models are dead before uh, yes. <laughs> it even comes into play. The more I read here, the more I like there. The, the the fact that I'm still reading probably means this isn't good because it, it's worded so poor. Did you, uh, if those who have come from the Scions episode, remember there was the, I think it was the Capic Eagles strat where you sorry where you um. You select a unit, and if that unit is the closest, and it also killed a unit, and they they try and shoot anything else, they get minus one. This is the same as that. This is the one where you, you tell your, your opponent you have this, you pass them the book, and then you tap the chest clock onto them and just see how many minutes you can take off. Because that's the best use you're going to get out of this, trying to make your opponent understand what it uses and what its uses are. Because when I first read it, I thought, oh, cool, it's going to be like Jane Zai. You're going to say, hey, yeah, that's that." Um, veteran intercessor sergeant with a thunder hammer. You can't use your thunder hammer against me. No. But it's not. And that would have been cool. Yeah, it's just rerolls. And it's just the rerolls. Yeah, but they have to have rerolls. Like one... to hit and wound to begin with. 
Yeah, exactly, to get any any real relevance. Select one melee weapon that enemy model's equipped with. Until the end of that phase, the model with this relic is treated as only being equipped with the, that weapon. So wait, the model with this relic is only treated, being treated as equipped with that weapon. So you do steal a weapon. You count as having been equipped with their weapon. And oh, it can only okay. make attacks so actually, against yeah, that so enemy unit's model with that unit. Okay, so, so yeah, it's, you it's, it's, yeah, so it doesn't actually affect the enemy. What it does is it takes your yeah. weapon. It takes it. It basically it's, gives you their weapon, but then you can't. You can't but make, you personally can't yeah. reroll hits. Oh, okay, see that's so the only time. Only time it actually makes any difference is when you're using it on a model that never had any rerolls to hit yeah. or wound. It's, it's kind of so like uh, it's kind of like the ability the uh, the changeling has, where he can basically steal a weapon from someone. Like when it, yeah, so you could you could like be a sorcerer and be like, haha, thanks for the power fist. Yeah. Um, that guy still has a power fist, though. Yeah. And it doesn't say that guy doesn't have a power fist anymore. And admittedly, if that guy charged you, he hit you with that power fist before you got to use his power fist. And so you didn't get to stop him. You didn't be like, haha, it's mine now. You just be like, oh, I made a copy of yours. It's just so confusing. Oh, man, it's so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I, admittedly, like if you're playing a pickup game, you're just like, oh, dude, just come in with that Thunder Hammer before I have to explain how this works. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's only going to be useful when they're charging you with a very relevant weapon. Yeah, like it has to be. It has to be something like. Admittedly, this would work on other people's relics, wouldn't it? If someone came with you, like the teeth of terror, you'd be like, "Ha ha, thank you." Um, so that could be fun. It, it's fun. That's what it is. All right, cult of manipulation. Not a fan. Just not a fan. Not a fan. Moving on. Uh, so for for your mind, the best of them. Uh, so cult of, cult of duplicity, and what was the other one? Cult, cult of, of magic. magic yeah? yeah, I think those are kind of the best. Yeah. Uh, probably the top two, as far as not just as far as like any single single thing in there but i think just overall like on average uh almost everything is useful um hmm. yeah well i feel like cult of duplicity is it's it's in the title duplicity there's a bit of jank there. there's a bit of um a bit of toolboxy stuff cult of magic just feels like it just gives you more power to do the things you're always going to do yeah? yeah exactly yeah so i do like those two quite a bit now we're going to jump into the, the stratagems and admittedly there aren't that many stratagems there's there's seven stratagems yeah to, super i wish i wish I wish there was nine stratagems. Yeah. Uh, so I wish there was an extra nine stratagems. I wish all these cults got a stratagem associated with them as well. Uh, but you want to read the first one of these? Yeah. So Magister. So this is a pretty, pretty. I mean, this is a great stratagem. It lets you have an additional warlord trait, uh, which I think is uh, nice. So this is something that I think every faction. It looks like even just based on what I've seen from the Necron Codex and the Space Marine Codex that just got released. I think it sounds like every faction is going to have something like this moving forward, where they can have multiple warlord traits. Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, I assume this will get replaced like that, but yeah, it's it's a great thing and it definitely definitely needed. Otherwise, it's it kind of makes it pointless to even have this ultimate if you can't have an extra mm. warlord trait. Yeah, I agree. So uh, jumping over to the next one, which is our uh, infernal fullisade one CP. Use a stratagem when a Rubik Marine unit or a Scarab Occult Terminator unit from your army is chosen to shoot within your shooting phase. Until the end of that phase, models in that unit can shoot twice with rapid fire weapons if that unit did not move this turn. Uh, I'm a big fan of that for one CP. That's so that is um, what's the, the what's the one CP shoot twice if you slanesh or is it two CP? It's it's two CP to shoot twice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one CP for the same thing. It is admittedly is it only limited to rapid fire weapons? And you can't uh, move, but and you can't move. But your rapid fire weapons are really good if you're T Suns. They're they're like one of your best, the best things you got going for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the bad part with this is that the moving um, thousand Suns are such yeah. a slow army that there's almost no like I can't imagine many turns where you don't want to be moving, especially in a five turn game. So I just you know I can see where um, you know like there's I I feel like this has some play. But it's definitely mm. um, like I think this is more helpful for say a turn one alpha strike uh, combined with like say cult of duplicity where 
redeploy. Um, so I, I do think there is, uh, you know, something like that. I think could, I could see work, uh, but yeah, I just don't. Sure. I don't necessarily see it uh, as like a strong strategy. Well, because yeah, you'd be happy to pay two CP for it if it didn't have the the you, you can move I'd, that. I'd, pay, I'd yeah. pay three CP for that if I could drop uh, ten of scarab occults and drop eighty and double 80, shoot 80, yeah. yeah, eighty uh, shots. E.g., exactly what custodes get to do for. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you want to grab the next one? So yoked automa, automata, automata, automata. Um, so this yeah. is a, a wordy one. So use a strategy at the end of your opponent's charge phase. Select one enemy unit that finished a charge move within one inches of any thousand sense character units other than Zangors from your army uh, that phase. One rubric marine unit, one scarab propellant unit. Army is, that is within twelve inches of that enemy unit, not within one inches of it. And any enemy units can perform a heroic intervention. As a fair character, and when doing so, can move up to 2d6 instead of up to 3. Unit you know, from your army must end that move within 1 inches of that enemy unit, and not within 1 inches of any other enemy units. Otherwise, it doesn't move. So essentially what this allows you to do is, just to summarize, your character gets charged. You pick one unit of the rubric marines or scarab occult uh, terminus within 12 inches of your character. And they can essentially do a 2d6 heroic intervention towards the unit that charged them, that charged your character, assuming they're not also engaged. Now, yeah. this sounds like it would be useful, but honestly, I think just with the way that ninth edition is going, the way that people are screening characters, um, I think you're going to be very, very hard pressed to find situations where um, you're going to have this kind of quote unquote setup. Uh, like, and and it, and because it's two d six and not um, like six inches or eight inches, like generally you'll even to set this up, you'll probably want to keep your unit within five inches, which means like yeah. at that point, like. And given the character rules, probably three inches, to be honest. Um, so at that point, it's like, mm. uh, then why is the character even alone? Like, why is he getting charged by himself? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I just, this is just not a good strategy. And, and obviously, it's yeah. utterly terrible. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. And it's terrible because of the last couple of lines. This would be really cool if the shackles are off and you got to do a 2d6 intervention in any direction towards any close enemy unit, whatever you like, and you could do a lot of jank and, you know, steal objectives and do a lot of crazy stuff with it. Because uh, admittedly, all you're doing, what you're really doing is you're getting a unit that wasn't engaged and engaging it with a, with a to, to protect a character that you can't keep alive. Nothing you are doing is going to, in, in that exchange, is going to keep the character alive that has been charged, yeah? Yeah. You're not increasing its durability. You're not going to absorb wounds for it. You're not going to intervene into it. Sorry, intervene in wounds for it or take mortals or whatnot. So you're intervening and you're going to lock up another character onto this other character. So another unit onto this character that wasn't already locked up. And usually you've got shooting units as a T-Suns player. Usually you don't have combat units. So you, it's a unit that was going to shoot and you're paying 2 CP to not have it shoot. It's just like, what yeah. the hell? But the worst bit here is, the worst term and condition here, um, so that unit from your army must end that move within one of that <sighs> enemy unit and not within one of any other enemy units. Otherwise, it may not move. So you have to, on 2d6, you have to roll the exact number you need to get within one of that unit, of that unit only. You can't tag anything else. You yeah. can't jank it. You can't get crazy with it. You can't use all your skills and all your tech and all your knowledge to reach out and do a bunch of different things with this. You can only do one thing with it, and you're paying 2 CP for the privilege. I think it is utterly awful. Yeah, and I believe the, um, yeah, like knights have a similar strategy where you can move 2d6, but I think you can still move regardless, even if you don't make it. So there is some like secondary mm. play there. But, yeah. Anyway, so we can move on. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, the biggest comparison would be the uh, sweeping assault for the custodes, where the the Virtus Praetors get to charge into combat during your charge phase, uh, your opponent's charge phase. They get to essentially do a charge move. Yeah. Um, and it's really punitive. It scares the crap out of people knowing that you have it. You barely ever use it, but just telling them you can do it, which makes them change the way they want to play. Uh, and that's what the, that's what this should feel like, but it doesn't. Um, you want to get the next one, mate? 
So Risen Rubric Haste, so use a stratagem when you set up a rubric. This unit can set up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches from the enemy force zone in three bottles. So it's a stratagem once per battle. So this is actually a really good stratagem. I think this yeah. combined with like a large unit of rubrics combined taking this, combine it with Infernal Fuselade, and then combine it with Cult of Duplicity. So in case you don't get first turn, you can essentially redeploy that now mm -hmm. 20-man unit that you've put in the, a really happy position, uh, potentially. Uh, I think the kind of the three of those kind of combo wombo uh, is is really is really nice, uh, or a dark matter crystal for instance. Um, but definitely mm. like it's not uh, it's you know it's one use only. Um, you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket if this doesn't work. If for instance you get yeah. after a second, you know you've just you've built a whole strategy around this the stratagem and then uh, it's failed. I think where it could be nice is like pinning people in their deployment zone, creating a wall of rubrics and yes. kind of fight through, yep. uh, combining it with uh, another stratagem where you get to in a sec. To give them even better um, resilience. So yeah, so I do think there's some play here. It's a nice strategy, but the fact that it's rubric means only it just makes it so restrictive. Yeah, look, I, I like it a lot. Um, I do like the idea that you can get a, a big block of rubrics mid-board um, at the start of the game. And then I like it even better that that's your the very first thing you deploy in your army as cult of duplicity, being like, hey, 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 deal with that and yeah. make that that big in the brick of uh, rubrics influences every decision they make. And then, you know, they deploy in a certain way, so you goes first and you just pick that unit up and put it back in safety into the deployment yeah. zone. And for one CP, it's, just it's nice. It's nice to throw that for what? completely mess with them. I love it. I, th I actually think it's really cool. Uh, next one. Uh, in fact, I think if you're using Rubricate, um, if, using a, if you've got one big brick of Rubricate, I think you just do it every game, yeah? Pretty much, you just you, just, you would just do it, right? Yeah, and uh, one thing that I do uh, I, I do like, and I just want to triple check this before I say it, but I, I'm pretty sure... Um, I lied. I can't do that. As a, as a Never mind. Cheating. Uh, <laughs> Next one is Sorcerer's Infusion, 1 CP. Use this stratagem after resolving a Psychic Power manifested by a T-Suns model from your army if the result of the Psychic Test for that power is 9 or higher. If that model's unit contains any models that have lost wounds, select one of those models to regain a D3 lost wounds. Otherwise, if any models in that unit have been destroyed, you can return one of those models to the battlefield with all of its wounds remaining, placing it in unit coherency. So what's really cool here is... You um, so after resolving a psychic power, so you just get to be like, oh, my Scarab Occult guy's just going to smite. Oh, he got a nine, pay one CP, get a Scarab Occult Terminator back, yeah? Yeah, I really like this uh, ability um, because it's it's by any Thousand Suns model, so it's not just your characters. Mm, um, no characters, yeah. And then also, um, if a character himself is wounded, um, like, so say Armin's taken two wounds, passes power, he mm -hmm. gets a nine, he can then use this to heal himself. Exactly right. So he's doom bolted something and, yeah. and gained three, D three lost wounds, and yeah. maybe he's got another he's got another power. Someone can cast another power to get D three lost wounds. Yeah. I think it's really good. Yeah, I think. I mean, and it's a it's good, good. Util utility stratagem that like always has use. You, there's always situations where you could find it useful. But I definitely, mm. I definitely like it. I like it a lot, and I just think it's um the terms and conditions are, are on point. You want to grab the, the second last one? Yeah. So indomitable foes. So use a stratagem when a rubric marines and or scarab occult unit from your army is chosen to the target of attack. Uh, until the end of the phase, improve that unit's in normal state by one. So this combined with, say, that Rubricate unit that's in the mid-board um, yeah. gives them like really, really good resiliency. Maybe you throw a Weaver of Fates on them. All of a sudden, they're at a 3+, plus, plus, which is super nasty. Um, so yeah, so I think this has some 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 nice play. And again, um, because you got to choose... It's not at the start of the phase. It's when they're chosen as a target attack. So it's it's you know you can use it kind of situationally. Um, plus, it's you'd be able to use it in every, any phase. So you can use it in the... Shooting phase or in the close combat phase, which is nice. Can you tell me a Scarab Occult Terminator? Are they in, are they in uh, Tartarus Terminator or Cataphracty? Do they come with a 5 plus or a 4 plus? Yeah, base? unfortunately, for some reason, even though they're uh, extremely slow, uh, they don't get, uh, they only have a 5 plus and vulnerable. 
Boom. Even though they move, even though they <laughs> move four, four inches a turn. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, they move four inches a turn. Surely they're in cataphractic and you have a four plus. But not that's that sucks. But they, it looks uh, like cataphractic. I, I mean, <laughs> the models look like yeah, it does. Um, this is my favorite one so far. This is this is the one you use every single game. I think it's great. So yeah. it's a, it's a reactive warp surge, but it's yeah. only one CP, not two CP. I yeah. think it's phenomenal. And it's nice because um, it affects your vulnerable save. So yeah, you can't use it on uh, you can't use it on Zangors, things like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's really good. All right, last one. Um, one CP, Adepts of the Immaterium. You just drag him with a thousand sun psyker from your army would suffer a perils of the warp. That psyker does not suffer a perils of the warp. Uh, yeah, this cool. is fantastic. Just do it yeah, this is literally like really one of the best. This this gives me uh, all those matches where I played against other demon players. Um, you're mm. always sweating that you're gonna hit that uh, you're gonna hit that um, perils, and then you're gonna get the two to three moons. And the nice thing yeah. about this is a few things. First, um, it it works even if you use a CP roll. So say you use a CP roll to get a spell off. Uh, or to, to avoid a perils to begin with, um, and you suffer perils again, well, then you can use this. Second, there's quite yep. a few psychic, uh, psychic relics out there that cause your caster to take a perils of the warp. So I'm thinking um, there is the, I think I think it's like a Black Templar's uh, uh, yep. relic, I believe. Uh, there's a few other, there's a few relics out there. There's there's one of the Chaos Grace Green Book. Um, there's uh, that Tyranid psychic uh, power, basically, where if you fail a spell, you take perils of the warp. So yeah. what this allows you there's to one. do, um, sorry, go ahead. There's a bunch of ones that make you perils on any roll of a double. Yeah, exactly. So well. what this does is it, you just don't suffer perils of the warp. And so you can basically negate yeah. that. So I think this is like, this for me actually is my favorite stratagem, which uh, besides the free roller trait, uh, which I think is amazing, like this and the free roller trait, I think are, you're, you can use them in every game. You get all your powers, mm. you're definitely going to perils once. Um, they're just, they're just so, they're just like meaty utility, utility good utility stratagems. I agree, and I think I, from every T Suns or you know psychic heavy guy player I know, they've always had that one game where they say like I just failed because I, I lost a game because of a perils, yeah, literally lost because of a perils. And I think well, you you think about how many psychic powers you're toting every game, like just Ironman, yeah, Ironman doing three casts a turn for five turns, yeah, uh, chances are he's perilsing once, maybe even twice a game, uh, and just just having this in your back pocket, all the power, all the power to you. I think it's phenomenal. So that's actually that's actually everything they got. It doesn't feel like they got a bunch, but they did get quite a bit. It's just the problem is like we read through literally nine cults, yeah, nine cults, and there was like three of them that I don't even remember anything that they got. There's two of them I remember very well, and there's there's another two of them that I think are um, are worth worth remembering because they've got some nice tech pieces. But really, there's only two that stand out in any way, shape, or form, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that the biggest, as I said, uh, there's some there's some glimmers of like. Um, you know, great, great things. It's just so spread out, and then you know, you get seven stratagems. I'd argue maybe four of them are usable, uh, or things that yeah. you're gonna you're gonna kind of see um, in yeah. a lot of games. Um, some of them are just not great, um, and you know, then you compare it to something like Grey Knights or Death Guard. I think they got like twenty seven stratagems or something insane like that. So it's just you know, just from this, the scale of this update was just not not in line. Um, obviously, again, it's free stratagems, stratagems you didn't have access to before. So I'll mm -hmm. take it, but definitely not the power level increase that we saw. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and and like there is, so there isn't the build around. There isn't the like, oh wow, here's the Grey Knight release. Guess I'm buying Paladins. There isn't that, you know, here's this or Ballastari for Admech. There isn't this one thing that they've elevated to absolute pre preeminence in their unit. I mean, there's very relevant buffs for for the Rubricay side of things. I mean, we might as well forget Zangors exists um, for what for what this book tells us. There isn't a single relevant buff that I've seen here that would make Zangors more enticing than they were before. Not saying they're bad, but what I'm saying is they they literally got zero out of this, didn't they? Yeah, they're just. Uh, I think that was that's one of the issues with this is like 
almost everything is centered around rubrics and scare cults, which I get what they were trying to do. Like those are units that we're yeah. not seeing play. But the fact that like, you know, we still have things like sky fires. We have things like uh there are our vehicles in Thousand Suns. There are things like um the uh Xanagorn Lightning, right? Like there's there are other units, um Hellbrutes, that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah. I I would have liked to have seen um m- more uh ways to use those you know, even the Mutalith Fort or Tech Beast, which is a bizarre ridiculous yeah. thing that like i don't think i've ever seen yeah. played like you know um you know that's something that we have that's very unique to us so just just seeing, i think i would like to see more ways to do that to change how the army plays um and i just you know having things that would maybe increase the power of enlightened or zangors or um mm. all those other units i think would have been nice um and then i think just in general like you know the the alt rules are so scattered um yeah where it's like there's only really two cults that have any useful things and then even then it's like they're not totally changing. Like there's like one combo in there and it's just like, it's very like single track. So we're going to do the cult of duplicity thing or the magic thing, the cult of magic, which is just like a, a damage increase, but there's no real yeah. play. It, your army doesn't play any different. It's yeah. slightly more damage. But, yeah. They, they, they added some feather to the cap of the things you already do, but didn't give you a new outfit. That makes sense. Yeah. Like they didn't. They didn't give you any new ways to play. And what the biggest, I think, the most damning thing I can say is they didn't give me any any. They didn't give me any real impetus to want to play like primary or mono T Suns. Like what what I really want, would love to see, and what I think what you can say Death Guard got was a real big reason to want to play primary, like ninety five percent Death Guard. Yeah. Um, like you really you, you, you're playing Death Guard yet? Yeah? It's the it's primary or mono. You're not not playing Death Guard's a little pinch-hitting bit into some Alpha Legion units or whatnot, which is what it feels like. This It feels like that's still where T-Suns are now because of this book. It feels like they're still just an add-on to Demons, an add-on to CSM, an add-on to Death Guard, um, which that does suck. And that, I suppose that's the thing that bothers me the most. Um, and admittedly, I would like to have seen a whole other page of stratagems because I feel like that's what it would have done. It would have fleshed out. It would have been the stratagem for Zangors, the stratagem for... Look, look, at what, look at what Death Guard did for Defilers, yeah? yeah. Defilers were a joke. Absolute, the worst model in the land with the worst rules in the land. No one ever saw it. Never. I always love defiles. I, I have three of them sold in box that uh, now, I still got yeah, built, yeah. But I've always had a soft spot. And now they're sick. Yeah, and I love it. I love that they're sick. It's awesome. And uh, but I wish this. I wish this book did something like that for for T Suns. Yeah, like it, I, you know, I do think ultimately Thousand Suns as a faction do suffer from lack of units. Like they they kind of they threw us a bone with the Xanagorn Lightning and the Mutalic Text Beast, which were essentially AOS mm. AOS units. Um, I'm really hoping with the uh, new book, whenever we get it, we do get some new models. I'd love to see some Forge World rules for things like uh, the, yeah. the robots that they have in 30k. That would be really great if there's a over. Yeah. Or some of the 30k units. I think that could really help kind of pad out the book. Uh, but unfortunately, mm. yeah, like I think the, the the faction as a whole just suffers from lack of development it's like underdeveloped there's just not enough there yeah um well that's, that's that's the thing though uh, they were they were equal with necrons for the least amount of of data sheets in their code yeah. the least amount of literal unit options and now necrons are getting like increased like tenfold so t-suns are really at the, like isolated at the bottom there with um the most limited amount of unit choices available uh, and it, it shows it really shows that there are they're not a one-track pony but um literally just let you just leveraging um a super strong psychic phase and a medium to decent shooting phase and that's pretty much all you got absolutely yeah so a bit of a disappointment but hopefully hopefully we'll get some some love with 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, look, I do think they are pretty well placed for doing a lot of things that work well in ninth edition, as in durability, reliability, um, and consistency. Because like they do put out, a, you can you can pretty much bank on how many um, mortal wounds you're putting out per turn. You can bank on your rubrics and your scarab occult staying on the table and doing some work. I think those things are really important in this edition. Yeah. Now, we're going to do our internal external rating. I think you can. I think those listeners at home can tell that. Um, I mean. And no one flew, uh, no one waved the banner for chaos like uh, like Jim and a few others did last edition. But I can think you can tell that he's not totally enamored with uh, the T Sun's release here. So, what would you rate this? As if you were to rate um, what this did, what this book did for T Sun's out of ten, what would you what would you give it? Um, so, I think in the con what, uh, the context of ninth edition currently, um, you know, I would think that this is probably like a six, half out of ten. Yep. Um, I definitely think that it's it's added some some tricks, I guess, is the best way to put it, uh, that are um, you know that are helpful and will see play. Um, I think ultimately, given the new like, and I think in Eighth Edition it was probably a lot stronger. Um, but just given mm. the way that detachments work right now, uh, given the way that um, another big thing that we didn't really touch on is that the the, the nerfs to um, Brotherhood of Sorcerers, which basically yeah. gave us like un- unlimited smites uh, five plus. So that's that's gone away. Given the, the the deletion of the Supreme Command detachment, it, what it's really done is it's made it so that putting in a thousand suns detachment in your army is a lot a lot harder of a choice. Given that um, mm-hmm. you're going to be running probably most most armies are running about two detachments now. So given that yeah. it's only got you know you probably only have two detachments, it, it just means that it's not as an obvious choice as it was uh, in Eighth Edition, where it was like okay, two demon princes and armin. You know, every chaos list basically just starts with that. Doesn't matter what else is in there, just fill those in, and it's like that. That little detachment, you know, was in every list, and now it's like, mm. you know, so, so yeah. So I think overall about a six and a half. I'd say. Yeah, I I would give it a five. I would give it a, the the minimum pass, yeah. just because it's um, it's just the, like the bare necessity, the tick boxes to shove them through the psychic awakening release. Um, I do like that they gave them the nine cults. I think it's cool, but I'm of the opinion that only one of them went far enough in pushing the envelope, um, and that is the cult of scheming. Yeah. So cult of duplicity. That's the only one that pushed the. They actually pushed the the playability and the viability envelope for units. Um, apart from that, cult of magic just made you do what you already did better, and I, that's why I don't I don't really value it as much as the other one. Um, even though I think it's the better choice if you're playing it, if you're going to play primary or mono T suns, I think you take cult of magic just because it gives you the the most use every game. Um, but yeah, look, I. So I give it a five out of ten for for this just for the psychic waking release. Where would you rank T Suns as a mono or a primary um, in the usual F to S tier rating system? Um, so so, so, so S tier A B C D. Uh, I would say yeah. right now as, a, as I'd say as a mono faction, so as a full solo faction, uh, I'd probably give them like a C or a D. I just don't mm. think I just don't think they have enough there yeah. um, to like kind of do it on their own. Uh, they don't have enough mm-hmm. of the the right tools for, to Bible Ninth Edition. I think as a as a supplemental secondary, you know, probably a B. I think I think if you do slot in yeah. that like one detachment that has a very specific kind of role. Uh, again, that, you know, we talked about it like purely from a damage standpoint. If you want to put some casters in, or maybe pure, do that kind of cult of duplicity trick, which again, it's a very effective, powerful trick. Uh, and if you get lucky with it, it can really uh, cause problems for your opponent. That's a very strong. Yeah. That's a very strong individual kind of sliver of the whole faction as a whole so if you want to slot that in a list i'd say that's like closer to a b um it's not obviously mm-hmm. the strongest thing but it's definitely very good and, and you know a lot of players might not know how to deal with that they might not have the tools to deal with that 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a D to a C minus um, for a primary or a mono. Just literally, and that is literally because they do not have enough units to make a well-rounded primary force. It's literally how many possible smites can you junk in? And of, unfortunately, that is less smites per turn because of the, the changes to sorcerers, and it's less available HQ slots, like you said, um, because of the detachment changes. And so there's just less of what you were really good at already, and then you're taking a limited uh, uh, unit pool in order to, to flesh out and do a bit of everything. Um, so yeah, but as, as you said, as a secondary, as an addition to another a faction, I think they're actually, they're not as good as they were, but they're still really good. I'm, I'm just waiting to see uh, like a Demon player utilize T Suns, and I'm just—I think it's going to be fearsome. Yeah, I—I definitely—I'm um, looking forward to. Uh, like, I have a few lists, and I'm sure we'll talk about in part two. But um, uh, with kind of slotting them with my Death Guard, and then a few with my yeah. Emperor's Children as well. So nice. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for this part one. Then, so we, we covered everything, and we're going to jump over, and we're going to record part two now. We're going to actually start talking T Suns list construction and the using them over the table and playing them from a fundamental level. Naturally, you guys know the caliber of this man, Jim Vessel. He's uh, one of a kind, and as a, a man with one of the most prestigious uh, win loss ratios of anyone in the in the, the modern history of the game. Now, yeah, we're going to go over to part two. We're going to start talking about how you build a T Suns list. What does it look like? We'll talk about mono. We'll talk about primary. We'll talk about secondary. Um, uh, sorry, secondary additional. Uh, allied factions and we'll talk about it from all its perspectives we'll unpack them we'll unpack their strategy and usage how you want to spend your cp do you want to front load mid load back load or consistently spend throughout the game what units do you want to take what do you want to build around what's your core going to be we're going to go through and deep dive all those little itty bitty bits and pieces that you might want to know and hopefully you find interesting because literally that's why we're here baby we're here to talk about the stuff you guys find interesting so if you are please go sign up to our patreon you can find us at patreon at art of war down under um if not by all means hopefully you've enjoyed this episode it has been some insightful stuff. Hopefully, um, you will enjoy our stats episode coming up and our coverage of the new codexes as they are released. Uh, and yeah, thanks for joining us so much. Jim, anything you want to plug? Anywhere people can find you or follow you if you want to check out your Instagram so they can see the, the awesome stuff you're painting. Yeah, so I have a uh, Instagram. And my account is Jimbo, J-I-M-B- I can't talk. J-I-M-B-O-V, <laughs> so the vessel, uh, underscore paints on Instagram. Um, so I post almost all my... Uh, updates it's it hasn't had a ton of updates i've been working on a few uh little blight haulers uh right now that's what i'm currently working on but uh has a lot of uh all my current painting and uh you know if you guys ever have questions or you want to get at me uh, feel free to shoot me a slide of those dms on instagram <laughs> beautiful well thank you so much dude and uh hopefully you guys will join us on part two if not let's see you on the next one guys good night thank you for listening to art of war down under a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.